the 2000 chart show. The 2000 chart show. Hello and welcome to the 2000s chart show, the podcast where every week we are reliving the UK top 40 from 20 years ago. I am Samuel Spencer, a journalist and a pop fan of such magnitude that some call me the Pied Piper of Billy Piper. Sadly, our queen Billy Piper is not on this week's chart, but we have some big tunes from The Darkness, The Yeah Yeah Yeahs, Clear, Delta Goodrum and Evanescence, all of which will be trying to stop the Black Eyed Peas from having their fourth week at the top of the UK Top 40. Will any of them be able to do it? Well, we will find out as we go. But let's kick off, as ever, with number 40, a former number one here in its 13th week on the chart. So getting past that three-month barrier, Beyonce with Crazy in Love. In 2003, NME called Uh Oh, Uh Oh, Uh Oh, Uh Oh, the best lyric of 2003, which of course leads you wondering what the rest of the top 10 are. So let me tell you at 10, my phone's on vibrate for you. Electro Clash is karaoke too. My phone's on vibrate for you. Electro Clash is karaoke. That's Rufus Wainwright with Vibrate. Number nine, are the motherfuckers ready for the fatherfuckers? No, that's of course David Snedden. No, that is Peaches with Shake Your Dicks. Are the motherfuckers ready for the fatherfuckers? No. Number eight, a line we can all associate with. He's peeing on my shoulders and knees, a warm, wet, yellow breeze. That is The Man That I Am With My Man by The Hidden Cameras. He's peeing on my shoulders and knees, a warm, wet, yellow breeze. Number seven, ass so fat she left skid marks on the dance floor. That's DM and Gemini with What You're Sitting On. Even though it's spelt that way, I'm guessing it's not Gemini, the Nilpois Eurovision entry from 2003. Six, definitely one we can all relate to. I had a brain that felt like pancake batter. That's the hardest button to button by the White Stripes. Coming to this chart in a few weeks, by the way. Okay, into the top five. Number five, That Tongue's Not Welcome Round Here by Rachel Stevens. That's Sweet Dreams My LAX. Until the exact point, I'd always thought it was Baby That Tone's Not Welcome Around Here. But maybe it is, in fact, The Tongue, which is simultaneously a better and worse lyric. Number four, Simple But Effective, You Cunt. That is from Get Your Hands Off My Woman by The Darkness. <laughs> whose breakthrough song, I Believe in a Thing Called Love, is going to be on this week's chart. Number three, we've talked about it in the past, a classic lyric, I love you like a fat kid love cake. That is from 21 Questions by 50 Cent. I love you like a fat kid love cake. And just behind Beyonce in the list of enemies, best lyrics of 2003, my favourite chat up line from Electric Six's Gay Bar. And I've got something to put into your ears. Yep. 
39, down from 38 last week, and it's seventh week. Here is Sleeping with the Light On by Busted. Stay busted, guys. I've started using a sleep mask and it has made my sleeping problems much better. So whatever you're doing, sleeping with the light on, snap out of it. There you go. Come for the 2000s pop music. Stay for the sleep tips. And stay for number 38. Down from 28 in its fifth week, Abs featuring Nodisha with Miss Perfect. By the way, all of these songs are available on our Spotify playlist in full. If you want to listen along to the full songs, just search the 2000s chart show on Spotify and you will find our playlist that has my picks of the best songs that we've talked about so far and every song that's available on Spotify that we've talked about so far. On that playlist, you'll find this week's 11 new entries, the first of which is here at number 37. Here is Have It All by the Foo Fighters. Someone in between the right and wrong Through everything you kept your wings upon Through everything you stayed the same old heart And when I've had enough She drinks Dave Grohl of the Foo Fighters said of this song This is basically just a song with a cool-up tempo groove And the chorus blows up into these really big and sweeping three-part harmonies and the end is the most fucking rock thing we could possibly figure out. The end starts exploding until it's so fucking chaotic and then it just stops on a dime. That's actually a description of every one of my relationships as well. So that is Have It All, the fourth single released from the Foo Fighters album One by One. But it's actually this week, it's the B-side of Have It All by the Foo Fighters I'm more interested in because that features Foo Fighters' take on Prince's Purple Rain classic, Darling Nikki. And your name on the dotted line, the lights went out. Nikki started to grind. Fun fact, the song Darling Nikki actually was the song that led to the creation of the parental advisory sticker because the first line of the song, of course, goes I knew a girl named Nikki, I guess you could say she was a sex fiend I met her in a hotel lobby, masturbating with a magazine. That's actually how I meet all of my friends. But one person who didn't like that lyric was Tipper Gore, the wife of American presidential candidate Al Gore, who heard her daughter Karenna listening to that song and was so horrified that she started a crusade 
against swearing in songs that led to the creation of the explicit sticker. That was in 1985. And now, 18 years later, the Foo Fighters are doing their tribute to the song basically for each of the four singles from one by one each of the different Foo Fighters members shows a song to cover and this is Dave Grohl's pick but it was actually a slightly controversial pick for him because it led to him entering into a small feud with Prince everyone's favorite pissy bitch so as you can see this song is at number 37 in the UK charts but in the US charts it was actually blocked from being released as a single by Prince who had a long held objection to people covering his songs basically in typical pissy bitch Prince form he was so annoyed of people constantly assuming that nothing compares to you was a Sinead O'Connor song rather than one that he wrote that he then set against anyone ever covering his songs I don't mind fans singing the songs my problem is when the industry covers the music See, covering music means that your version doesn't exist anymore. A lot of times people think I'm doing Sinead O'Connor's song right. and uh, Shaka Khan's song yes. when in fact I wrote those songs. But that did not stop this song from getting to number 15 in the US alternative airplay charts because it got picked up by radio stations. So exactly how much Prince and the Foo Fighters were feuding isn't really sure. That was a kind of pissy move but then in a move that some people have seen as shady and some people think have seen as a tribute, Prince covered the Foo Fighters song Best of You when he headlined the Super Bowl. And according to Dave Grohl, they also once jammed together, although it didn't seem like the most friendly of sessions. Me and like 20 of my friends got a party bus and went down to the forum, and so we were hammered when we got there, mm -hmm. so, like before the show. Then we went upstairs to the club, and someone said, um, hey, he really wants to meet you. I'm like, okay. And then they said, they said uh, he's gonna call you up to jam. And I was way too drunk to get up and jam with mm -hmm. Prince. So I'm like, no, 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 I don't do that. So afterwards, we met, and uh, he's, I said, well, when do you want to jam, man? And he said, how about Friday? I said, okay. And he said, I'll call you. So I waited all week with my phone, just like, Prince is gonna call, Prince is gonna call. And of course he never called. So someone said, just go down there. And I got down there to sound check. There was no one there, it was an empty room. And I walked out into the middle of the arena and he sees me and he goes, what are you doing here? And I said, oh, I thought we were gonna jam Prince, you know? And uh, he goes, you wanna jam? I said, sure. So we get up, he said, you wanna play drums or guitar? I said, I'll play drums. And so I sat down at this drum set and we started playing Whole Lot of Love by Led Zeppelin. Uh -huh. And it was, I swear to God, the most, it was the most amazing experience of my entire life. Wow. And by the way, Best of You, just look ahead at the chart, is the Foo Fighters' next single, which will go on to be their highest charting song in the UK. Exactly how high it charts, you're gonna have to stay listening to find out. But for now, we'll talk about Have It All, which apparently, according to Song Meanings, is a song that follows the common theme of One by One, being tortured in love. Girl's girlfriend is irresistible, but she's not healthy for him. He knows she's using him, but he doesn't care. Could be about all of those pop stars who are using us gays to buy multiple formats of each disc to G up their chart numbers, not mentioning anyone in particular. And moving swiftly on to number 36 in its third week on the chart, down from 26 last week. Here is Numb by Linkin Park. Just caught in the undertow. 
Following that, here are three songs that show you the breadth of the 2003 charts. There's really something for everyone, so pick your category. Are you at number 35, Dance With You, the Bangra song from Rishi Rish Project featuring Jay Sean? Are you the psychedelic dance of The Golden Path by Chemical Brothers and The Flaming Lips at 34? Or are you a belting pop diva at 33, Kelly Clarkson with Miss Independent? That's down from 24. <laughs> Of how I came to die hmm. I was confused For if I was dead How and why did I die? Sadly for us this week, Lisa Scott Lee's Too Far Gone is at number 48. That's a chart run that went from 11 to 29 to 48. So dropping like a stone, which is a great shame because it was only this week that I found a quote from Lisa Scott Lee. She told Enemy... I like to experiment when it comes to making love. I like a bit of pain and I like using toys. To which I say, why do you think Steps called their third album Buzz? That's a thinker for you. And why you consider that. At 32, here is Lamar with Dance With You. The sounds of the birds and the bees Bringing you to your knees is all I want to do, Album 22 in its sixth week on the chart. And at 31, they played the O2 Arena last week. And I had a realisation. Previously, I'd called this band the Early Learning Centre Radiohead because all of their songs sound like Radiohead songs if they were made for children and if the message of all of them was, Oh, aren't robots bad? But what I actually realised, they're not just Early Learning Centre Radiohead. They're like Queen without any of the gay stuff. Who else could that be but at 31, Muse with Time Is Running Out. Time is running out on me having the patience to talk about Muse. So it's a good thing that at number 30, here is Lumidy with Never Leave You. Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh.
Despite being widely acknowledged as out of tune, that song doing very well in its ninth week on the chart, making it the joint second longest running song on this week's chart with Breathe by Blue Cantrell. Two one-hit wonder divas of 2003 there. Although, actually, if anyone called Blue Cantrell a one-hit wonder in real life, I would be like, yeah, but what about hit em up style? Because that is how I actually talk in real life. This is a voice that I put on for podcasting. So that's our 40 to 30. And at 29, here is everyone's favourite sneaker and Apple salesperson, Mary J. Blige, featuring Method Man with Love at First Sight. Mary J. Blige, according to BrainyQuote.com, once said, You can hate me, you can go out there and say anything you want about me, but you will love me later because I told you the truth. Well, let me tell you the truth. Love at first sight is not your finest hour, Mary. But it's certainly better than this week's number 28, down from 10. Although, what did Fred Durst care? Because he was shagging Jerry Halliwell at the time. Here is Limp Biscuit with Eat You Alive. Apparently, when they were dating, Jerry told the press that they called themselves the new Fred and Ginger, which props to Jerry Halliwell. Not someone I consider being that funny, but that is, uh, that's some top-notch humour there. Previously to dating Jerry, Fred Durst had been married from 1990 to 1993, and he's since been married three times. He was married to Esther Nazaroff for three months in 2009, and then some other woman from 2012 to 2019, and another woman after that. What do we know about her? She's much younger than him and not a Spice Girl. So really, <laughs> what else is there to say? Well, what there is to say is that at 27, now from 21 in its fifth week, is Like Glue by Sean Paul. Can they want big up them chest? But they don't know that to go for the area to that's the best. I wouldn't they love it's a sound up all this. When I get up in a guy, you only girls we are request of me to get them. You win every minute. I'm Paul, by the way, is married to 40-year-old Jamaican VJ Jody Stewart. They've been married since for 10 years have two children. In case you're wondering what it's like to date Sean Paul, Vice magazine said, as it turns out, Sean Paul is a man who orders apple juice from the bar because he hasn't drank for a year. One of Sean Paul's favourite songwriters is Kurt Cobain. Sean Paul will enter a room bearing an armful of complimentary Jamaican patties for everyone he is about to meet, whilst also keeping one hand free to hold a tennis ball for reasons he doesn't have to explain, because he is Sean Paul. That's usually a carpal tunnel thing, I think, holding a tennis ball. So there we go, now you know what it's like to date Sean Paul. So I will give you two some privacy while we listen to our second new entry from this week's chart. At number 26, here is Maps by the Yeah Yeah Yeahs. Say, 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 oh, say, say, 
this the number one indie wedding song of all time which is quite rude to be honest because you know you think you're special and then you find out that that is a very obvious pick because this was in fact my first wedding song so I guess I'm basic in a kind of indie way which I'll take so yes a very important song to me even if it is actually a song of quiet desperation people have said that the uh, the word maps stands for the acronym my Angus please stay which was a plea to her then boyfriend Angus Andrew from the band Liars he incidentally wrote a reply song to this called the other side of Mount Heart Attack which was my other wedding song. So yeah, I know that you're expecting my wedding song to have been something like Day and Night by Billy Piper, but sorry to disappoint. And I'm pleased to say that my marriage is doing a little bit better than the relationship between, yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah's Karen O and her boyfriend Angus. In the video for Maps, we see Karen O delivering a few Sinead O'Connor-like tears. And I say Sinead O'Connor-like because just like in Nothing Compares to You, these are real tears, apparently. Karen O said of it, she said, my boyfriend at the time was supposed to come to the shoot. He was three hours late and I was just about to leave for tour. I don't think he was even going to come and this was the song that was written for him. He eventually showed up and I got myself in a real emotional state. That, by the way, is from an interview with Contact Music. If you're thinking, oh, this is a little bit indie for me, can we get back to the pop core of this podcast? I can tell you, yes, we're going to do that exactly at this time because does the guitar part of Maps feel similar to you to another song in any way? Let me play it again. Well, Max Martin and Dr. Luke, of which the less said the better, have said that this song was the direct inspiration for the Kelly Clarkson song, Since You've Been Gone. Let's hear a bit of the guitar from that. They basically have said that they were listening to the song while driving around, but found themselves frustrated by the fact that that Maps doesn't have a huge anthemic chorus. And so they were like, wouldn't this song be completely amazing if it had a like massive chorus? And so they gave it one and history was made. Although Karen O was not best pleased about what they had done. She said of Kelly Clarkson to Vulture magazine, she freaks me out. And she said that having her the song replicated in Since You've Been Gone was, quote, like being bitten by a poisonous varmint. So I don't think we'll be seeing her popping up on the Kelly Clarkson show anytime soon. She then followed on with a little bit of the most specific to mid-2000s era shade that she could possibly give. She said that says of Kelly Clarkson ripping off maps. Ah, well, if it wasn't her, it just would have been Ashley Simpson. Now, I love Karen O, but we have to agree to disagree on Ashley Simpson because she did after all release La La and that made me want to la so always have a place in my heart you make me wanna but it's not just the music of Maps that has been stolen by bigger artists you may also recognise the chorus line they don't love you like I love you from the song Hold Up by Beyonce Hold up, they don't love you like I love you 
It's quite a confusing path that led from the Yeah 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 song to the Beyonce song. I'll let Ezra Koenig from Vampire Weekend, who co-wrote Hold Up, explain it in his own inimitable fashion. So then I didn't really have anything, though, so I thought back to that tweet, which all it says is, Hold Up, They Don't Love You Like I Love You. Well, so that's, that's a good song. The hook of, yeah, I got of maps. Wait, they don't love you like I love you. Wait, they don't love you like I love you. So anyway, I don't know why I wrote that tweet. I just had to, maybe I just thought back in 2011. I was like, what if it was more like, hold up, they don't love you like I love you. I don't know because I like you know songs. It's like hold up, okay, and so there's like a pause. Hold up, they don't love you like I love you. Hold up, hey, yeah, maybe that's what I was thinking. It was hold up, they don't love you like I, I don't know what. So I was you thinking. change it from wait to hold up. Yeah, not really any clearer after that. But this was all ahead of Karen O and the Yeah Yeah Yeahs in 2003. The biggest thing that Karen O had to worry about in around this time was of recovering from a major accident she had where she fell off a stage. At the 2003 Livid Festival in Sydney, she was lying on a monitor. Apparently she used to do a thing where she would lie on the monitor backwards so that her head was dangling off the end kind of in the audience and she fell head first off the stage with monitor crashing down on top of her she has said that the only thing that saved her from breaking her neck and her spine was the fact that she was too wasted that she was limber she says i fell off like a wet noodle so there you go if that's not an advertisement for drinking i don't know what is kids so karen o spending most of 2003 wasted but not wasted enough to say yes to an offer to pose naked for playboy which she declined this year she told enemy i was approached but i said no who knows though maybe i'll do it in the future but now doesn't seem to be the right time it all depends on instinct instinct really but there won't be any titties dicks or fannies you heard it here first so that means that we will never see karen o shaking her tail feather on playboy and would you believe it that totally natural phrase led me into our number 25 hit which is shake your tail feather by nelly p diddy and murphy lee from 20 in its third week on the chart and at number 24 we have our next new entry here is feeder regular listeners will know one of my least favorite bands with find the color the colour a perfect name for a feeder song because they really do need to find the colour in these incredibly beige songs this is the fourth single from their album comfort and sound the first single come back around got to number 14 in october 2002 just the way of feeling was at number 10 in january 2003 and forget about tomorrow which we talked about on this podcast in may got to number 12 so not doing as well as those other songs so it may not surprise you to hear that there's a few signs that this may have been a last minute choice to be a single so in the music video we just see them performing a song in slow motion but it's actually apparently the song that they're playing in the video either they've said it or people have noticed is a completely different song but they just slowed it down so no one could notice also apparently the album sleeve notes for comfort and sound featured a special cartoon for 
four of the songs, three of which were released as a single. So then they assumed that the fourth one would be the song that had the cartoon. But no, it was this song instead. So maybe a last minute change there. Or, and this is my theory, no one could tell the difference between two different feeder songs. So they just actually accidentally released the wrong one. This is hard for me to say. Feeder were at the forefront of something in 2003 because that song that had that cartoon was a song called Comfort in Sound, the title track from the album. And it was eventually released as a download on the feeder website. And then it was added to the Radio 1 B-list. Sorry, B-list, you say? B-list at Capital. No, at Radio 1, not Capital, which made it the first time a download-only song went onto the Radio 1 playlist. I'm not sure how I feel about such a dull band being at the front of that particular innovation, but there we are. And by the way, we are, at this point in 2003, two weeks away from iTunes launching for Windows. So the download era coming very fast. But none of this was enough to get Feeder past number 24 for this song. This is something that the person who wrote the Wikipedia entry for this song seemed to have a little bit of a problem with. They wrote, When the single was released, it was ev- it eventually stalled at number 24 in the UK single shot, merely due to being the fourth and final single from an album that had already reached platinum status, while also making the song available for 11 months at the time. It also only had one CD format, and like the previous three, having two, thus halving sales among fanbase members collecting B-sides as each CD format had two different songs. It's a little defensive, isn't it? It's like, you can just accept that your favourite band had a song that wasn't as successful as their other songs it's okay just because they didn't give you another format to buy but that fan is sure to be appeased very soon because the next single by feeder will be their highest ever chart placement so you can look forward to when we talk about that in april 2025 mark your calendars but for now feeder have one of their lowest chart placements with find the color and at 23 someone whose career is also a little bit past its prime at this point in its third week on the chart down from 15 here is Sunshine by Gareth Gates. Our next artist at number 22 was responsible for saying the following quotes to see if you can guess who it is. This is their opinion on the Britney and Madonna kiss from the VMA Music Awards. If you're gonna do it, do it. I would have killed to see some tongue. Lick her face something. That's hot lesbian action. Who else could say something so tedious and try-hard heterosexual than Justin Timberlake at number 22 down from 13 with Senorita? Seen those bright brown eyes with tears coming down. She deserves a crown. But where is it now? Mama, listen. The UK singles buying public are sometimes complete trash. See the fact that Where Is The Love by The Black Eyed Peas has been number one for three weeks at this point. But the fact that they only let Senorita get to number 13 and Justin Timberlake's then McDonald's tie-in single I'm Loving It get to number 79 is the sign of definitely some sort of taste. Although it only got to number 25 in the US, so actually they even had even more taste than us by hating Senorita. 
So a little bit of a flop for Justin there. But before we move on from Justin, we have from Smash Hits, a fun quiz for you. This is, how well do you know Justin? This is simply, they will ask you questions and you can guess an answer and we can all learn together about Justin Timberlake. Number one, what is his tattoo and where is it? It's a guardian angel figure carrying his mum's initials between his shoulder blades. Blah. Number two, what age was he when he had his first on-screen snog? Okay, the answer to that is 11. To which I would say, I'm not sure I should be using the word snog there. Smash hits, just a little bit of sub-editing. Number three, who is his all-time hero? The answer is Michael Jackson. Again, don't forget last week, I think he said that Michael Jackson is his, would be his dream sleepover guest. Again, blur. Number four, what does he always wear? And apparently the answer is, pend it in the shape of a chessboard knight. And quite why he did that has not made it onto the internet, so can't give you any more information there. When shopping, number five. What is Justin Timberlake's favourite purchase? According to Smash Hits, it's trainers. Although I think I once heard a rumour that Justin Timberlake can only wear underwear once and has to buy new pairs every day. So I guess also he likes to buy a, a panty or two. Number six, what does Justin always do before sitting down to eat? Apparently he prays. And number seven, how many tattoos has Justin got? Five apparently at, in 2003. At, as of 2023, he has seven tattoos now. He has a cross on his left arm. He has that guardian angel. Then he has what he, what this counts as three tattoos, but I think it's one big one. It has the, an NSYNC flames motif, the initials JRT and a, it's gonna be me marionette. That's all part of the same NSYNC thing that he's got on his ankle. Although honestly, I can't think of anything more disgusting than getting your own initials tattooed. And he has an, a, an astral band on his right calf, which consists of the Aquarius sign which is my star sign, and I hate that it's on Justin Timberlake's right calf. And he also has a Chinese symbol on his right ankle that apparently means music, because as we know, music does make the people come together. And what we all can come together as listeners of this podcast is the very exciting moment that we have at number 21. My favourite thing that we have on this podcast is when we get either a flop boy band or a flop girl band. This time it's a flop girl band. Here they are at number 21. A new entry for Clear with Download It. Of course, are cast-offs from Girls Aloud in Pop Stars The Rivals. There were 10 girls and 10 boys picked to make it to the finals, and each week one of them would be eliminated before we were left with five girls who went into Girls Aloud and five boys who went into One True Voice. That, of course, left five girls who had been eliminated. One of those was Javine, who decided to do her own thing, released her song Real Things earlier this year, but the leftover Girls Aloud cast-offs, Chloe Morgan, Lindsay Brown, Emma Beard, and Amy Kearsley decided to join together to try and be a rival girl band to Girls Aloud, Clear. Clear, of course, being Chloe, Lindsay, Emma, Amy, their initials. Kind of a brilliant name. Maybe a better name than Girls Aloud. By the way, if Girls Aloud had decided to do the same thing and use their initials to form their name, they would be called Skunk. That's Sarah, Kimberly, Nicole, Nadine, and Cheryl. Well, I guess if it's a Cheryl, it's a soft C, so it would be, you could have Shunk, which is a great name, and they really should have gone for it. And actually, weirdly, for some reason, and I actually have very rarely seen this, it has on the Wikipedia page for Download It by Clear exactly how many copies it sold. Now, you usually get this if a song got to number one. We know how many 
copies it sold but you don't usually get it for songs lower down the chart which is very interesting because it shows the disparity between how many copies it takes to get to number one and how many copies it takes to get to number 21 so i won't reveal who's this week's number one is but i will say they have sold 70,000 copies of their song whereas downloaded by clear sold 12,050 copies in the uk so not amazing even though i do kind of like this song and it would it will remain clear's highest charting song their next two songs are going to chart at 23 and 35. They may not have been a great success, but they are a fascinating example of kind of what a career is like on the fringes of pop stardom. Obviously, there are a very tiny percentage of pop stars will make enough money in their lives that they're kind of set for life. You know, you're, and will have a long career. You know, your Robbie Williamses, your, you know, your Britney's, your Madonnas, your whatever. Then you've got a level of like people who, who probably made a good amount of money, but then kind of disappeared off the face of the earth don't really have to work again you know your Daniel Beddingfields your Dido's then you've got your kind of your D-list celebrities your reality TV circuit celebrities who may not have have made that much money why they were pop stars but have enough name recognition that they can do a reunion tour that will pay their mortgage they can they can do Strictly Dancing on Ice Celebrity Master Chef and kind of stay in the public eye that way and then you have a bottom layer which is where Clear are where they didn't really make any money they were never really successful as pop stars and so had to go and do something else but still wanted to be part of show business so they had to exist in this kind of nether world of kind of half pop star fame and each member has done this in a different way so Amy ended up joining a band called Fanfare who performed across a series of rugby union games in 2011 before touring the UK as the support act to The Wanted they also were brand ambassadors for something called Collection Makeup but then broke up in 2013 because they couldn't get a record deal she apparently now as a music producer okay love if you say so emma beard meanwhile would eventually appear as a contestant on and can see if anyone actually remembers this paris hilton's british best friend where she came third the only thing i can remember about paris hilton's best friend is that it had the great if you got eliminated paris hilton would say ttyn talk to you never which is truly i mean sashay away wishes it was ttyn talk to you never hi i want to see more of emma the friend instead of emma the pop star you're my new pet this week my pet is emma I was like, yes! So happy. I really wanted my one-to-one. And obviously, as a pet, you might get the possibility to have that. Talk to you never. TTYN. Chloe Morgan from Clear, meanwhile, became a celebrity DJ. And as for Lindsay from Clear, the Wikipedia page just gives the slightly ominous Brown has pursued a different career. Okay. That could be anything. And now I'm worried. But that is what Clear are doing for years before, of course, in November 2022, they reunited and then were added to the Mighty Hoopla 2023 set list. Unfortunately, the queue on the Saturday was absolutely massive because Saturday was too massive. Let's just admit it. And so I only heard the strains of Download It while I was in the queue, desperate to pee. So I was in constant agony while listening to Download It by Clear. Insert your own joke here. And of course, the entire gay community eventually found themselves in agony when they were listening to Download It by Clear because as soon, basically as soon as they had performed at Mighty Hoopla, it was revealed that Chloe Morgan had liked homophobic and anti-trans tweets, leaving the rest of the band to say that if they were going to do any more gigs together, it would be without her. So really added to the fine list of pop stars this year who were found liking anti-trans content. What a great year 2023 has been. You know, I'm like, guys, you're at the peak of your celebrity when Nadia won Big Brother. How can you be anti-trans? So I'll never understand it. But I still do have a guilty soft spot for Download It by Clear. You know, if one song represents 2003, in a nutshell, it is this. Calling a song 
download it to make it kind of sound like it's really at the cutting edge because ooh, people started downloading music so there's that there's the fact that it's made by the cast offs from girls aloud that's incredibly 2003 which is also kind of the last time where a reality tv show could launch more than one career it's like you know for a few years like you would get one each year there would be kind of one person from x factor who would do okay but you know this time you could get on Popeye, you could have gareth gates and will young and Darius. But this song isn't perfect, I will say. I know, shocking. Downloaded by Clear is not a perfect song. Who would have guessed it? Really missed a trick, I think. They should have had put in at some point the internet dial-up sound just to make it the perfect 2003 song. In fact, I thought that was such a good idea that in my head I had convinced myself that this song did include the dial-up sound of the internet. But then I realised that was actually a false memory and I was confusing it with the song Freak by George Michael. Yeah, Clear and George Michael constantly getting confused. Which one of them was in Wham? Who knows? Anyway, clear at 21 there. And at number 20, another new entry. This is Jürgen Vries and Sheena with Wilderness. Now we've uh, <laughs> made it through the wilderness. Yeah, by the way, that's I'm warning you. I'm two weeks away from this point from seeing Madonna at the O2. So I will be talking more and more about Madonna. So just get ready for those references to come piling in. But for now, I will restrain myself and talk about Jürgen Vries and Sheena. Only this week I learnt, I think when we talk about these trance and dance acts from the mid 2000s and you see a German name, you're like, yes, of course. The other German trance DJ. Most, you know, 90% of these people that we talk about are German, Belgian, Austrian. So Jürgen Fries, yeah, of course that's a real person's name, but it's not! Dance music was so dominated by continental European producers at this point that a British guy gave himself the name Jürgen Fries just to be taken seriously. Whereas in reality, Jürgen Fries is a British producer called Darren Tate, who, if you've been listening to this show since the very beginning, is the same Darren Tate who did the Project DT8, which we talked about right at the very beginning. But as Jürgen Fries and as DT8 and as multiple other names, Darren Tate has had 12 UK top 40s. And this song is his follow-up to his biggest ever song, a song that I think really f- was pretty good until Fly on the Wings of Love came along and ate its lunch in terms of quality. He got a number three hit earlier in 2003 with Brave New World, his collaboration with Charlotte Church. That was actually his only UK top 10 he would ever have, although he got close with his song It's My Turn by Angelic, another classic euphoric trance song that got to number 11 in June 2000. But this time he's done a, let's be honest, a slight trade down from Charlotte Church and is collaborating with Sheena, not Sheena Easton, by the way, in case you were wondering, and not Sheena as in Sheena is a punk rocker. To my knowledge, this Sheena has never been a punk rocker, but she has been Tracy Elizabeth McSween, who is probably, I would imagine, not a name that you have any familiarity with, but you very likely have heard her voice because she was also the voice of the songs The Weekend by Michael Gray. Weekend 
and the song Stupid Disco by Junior Jack, which was a song that we actually talked about last week, if you remember. The Weekend got to number seven, by the way. Although, Sheena, I don't want to tell you that I know more about your own career than you do, but I found Sheena's official bio, which in which she says her breakthrough hit was Michael Gray's The Weekend, which peaked at number seven on the UK singles chart. And I was like, no, 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 no. No, Sheena, you had a number four hit in 1996 with JX's There's Nothing I Won't Do. So don't you dare sell yourself short, Sheena. Be proud of your 1996 hit that I've honestly never heard of. We're getting a real glimpse of the British dance music world, I think, over the last few weeks. It's really just the same five people. Just they use all the same singers. They all collaborate with each other. Very incestuous and insular. And one of those people is Sheena who may be wasting her talents a little bit because she is classically trained. She studied at the Royal Academy of Music and graduated with honours with a classical musical theatre and commercial music performance diploma. So she really could be doing much more than singing, I can't wait for the weekend to begin. Although, I mean, to be fair, she did sing it better than that. But again, this is what we're talking about this week, the kind of levels of pop stardom. You know, you can be an aspiring pop star and do a load of tragic rubber union gigs at the hope that you may launch as a girl band, or you could be Sheena and just have a probably steady, pretty lucrative job as a session musician for a series of dance music tracks. No one really knows who you are, but you can probably, you know, shop at Waitrose. So who can complain at that? It's really, I think, actually a fascinating world that someone should do a documentary on is this kind of level of pop stardom of like people who haven't quite made it in British music but are making a comfortable living like for example i have a question do you think that these kind of session musicians look down on the people who do the backing vocals for karaoke tracks is that kind of a is that kind of a fault line in the industry because you'd think so but then i once dated an actor and i was like oh i bet you didn't want to do panto and he was like no panto is the best gig you can get it's incredibly lucrative and it's fun so i don't know and that's why we need i need uh, someone to make that documentary out there i know we've got a lot of talented listeners so get on it but first i want to talk a little bit more about Sheena's bio, which uh, has this fascinating little piece of information. So it says, she's the only woman in the world to have portrayed Whitney Houston three times on three different TV documentaries. Quite the achievement. The last one being the disturbingly titled Autopsy Colon Bobby Christina's Last Hours. I don't think if I was involved in that, I would be shouting from the rooftops that I played Whitney Houston. And apparently whenever she wrote this bio, she was trying to launch a new show entitled The Simply Whitney Experience. Just googling that now to see if she ever managed it. Yes, she did. Incredible. Here's a clip of her playing Whitney Houston. And I, I will always love you. I say she's done it. There is a website that advertises the British Whitney Experience, but I can't see anywhere to book any tickets for it. So who knows with that? But it might be because she was too busy to do the British Whitney experience because she was apparently one of the judges on the BBC One TV series All Together Now. If anyone can remember that, that was the one, I think it was like Jerry presented it and it was like people would sing and there were like a hundred judges in a big wall and like Take Me Out style, they would like, you know, say if they were in or out of a singer and whoever kept the most of them on would stay on the show. A terrible show if I remember it, but looking at the list of some of the people who are those, one of those hundred judges alongside Sheena, Truly a fascinating example of what we've been talking about, about the levels of pop stardom. So here are just four people who were included among the judges of All Together Now. There was Daisy Dance, who was a singer-songwriter and member of the UK girl band Girls Can't Catch. Perhaps the ultimate flop girl band in my mind, just because they were so destined to be a flop girl band because they have the worst name that anyone's ever had. Also on that judging panel was Larissa Eddy, a supporting singer for Peter Andre and Lionel Richie. 
All I'm going to say is probably one of those jobs was easier than the other. They had Nigel Murphy, who was a singer at the London tourist attraction, The Medieval Banquet. And they had James Lomas, the West End's original Billy Elliot in the musical. So I just want you to think every time we have a Britney on here or a Dido, we have someone who's claim to fame was singing in the London tourist attraction, the medieval banquet. Hey, it's a steady living. Certainly someone who probably won't be having to sing at the medieval banquet anytime soon is at number 19 on her third week on the chart, down from 14, can't hold us down, Christina Aguilera and Lil' Kim. Three girls that he's the man He could even give us some head and sex or roar If a girl do the same she's a whore But the table's about to turn up That brings us firmly into the top 20 And time to look at what we have coming up Trying to beat Black Eyed Peas at number one So some of the bigger releases of this week So of the remaining releases I say there's, a, there's about three or four That have a chance of beating Black Eyed Peas And stopping them from getting their fourth week at the chart One of those, can't quite believe I'm saying this, is Elvis Presley. Despite at this point having been dead for 26 years, he is back with the song Rubberneckin'. A little less conversation, his last release, of course, was a huge number one in 2002, which we can discuss soon. And this is Paul Oakenfold trying to continue that trend of dance remixes of Elvis songs, doing well with his version of a obscure Elvis track. At this point, Elvis already has the most number ones of any artist in the UK, so it remains to be seen whether he'll be adding another one to his list tonight. But certainly trying to stop him will be Evanescence with their song Going Under. They hope they will not be uh, going under him in the charts. This, of course, is their follow-up to their number one single earlier in the year, Bring Me to Life. This song apparently was originally supposed to be the first single from their album Fallen before Bring Me to Life. So we'll see whether that would have been a good choice when we see how that charts. But those rock fans going to their Woolworths in the first week of October 2003 may have had a hard choice of where to spend their 2 99 because also vying for their first number one are The Darkness with their absolute mid-noughties classic I Believe in a Thing Called Love. The Darkness were literally everywhere in this time in 2003. The industry was fascinated with them. They were all over Enemy, all over Smash Hits, all over Top of the Pops. And we will see whether any of that paid off and got them their first UK number one. But let's not also count out Delta Goodrum. Her song Innocent Eyes had been a number one back in Australia in June. Her third number one on the what has become the second highest selling Australian album of the 2000s. But will the British public equally fall in love with Innocent Eyes? Well, all of those songs to come in the top 10. But first, a new release, not making it anywhere near that top 10. Here is at 16, Frantic by Metallica. Goes 
is of course their second single from their album Saint Anger, the album that Pitchfork gave a 0.8 and that's out of 10. Go back to the last time we talked about Metallica to hear more from that review. But this is the, the lead track from that album, track one, a song that is like most songs on this album about the lead singer James Hetfield's alcohol problem. Previous to recording this album, he had spent many months in rehab and what he seemed to have got from that was a lot of bad cliches because these lyrics for the song Frantic are full of them. The chorus, for example, begins with my lifestyle determines my death style, which a lot of people online, Metallica fans, have kind of given highfalutin explanations for what it means. They're like, oh, it's a really profound explanation of how if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. And you're like, I guess so. But what it's really saying is if you drink like a fish, you'll probably die of cirrhosis of the liver. Like that is what he's saying. It's saying my lifestyle as an alcoholic determines my death style of dying of alcoholism. But it's not the lyrics that most Metallica fans had a problem with when it came to Frantic. It was the drum sound, which the website metalsucks.net memorably described as sounds like a cross between a trash can, a wind-up toy, and the drummer's butthole. I would, I mean, I would, I'm not an expert on anal percussion, but I would have thought a bumhole would have been quite a nice kind of soft acoustic sound, which is kind of going against what the other two things are saying, which is kind of a metallic tinny sound. Unless, of course, I'm mistaken and Lars Ulrich from Metallica does have a titanium anus, in which case the metaphor works, but otherwise not so sure about that one. By the way, Lars Ulrich's titanium anus, great name for a band. I'll let anyone who wants to have that have that. So apart from having to navigate having a titanium anus, 2003 was a tough time for Metallica. Their lead singer was in and out of rehab. And Lars Ulrich, of course, was the guy who made every teenager across the world hate him for taking on Napster, for letting people illegally download his music. But that wasn't the worst crime that Metallica was aligning itself to because of course it's a 2000 chart show we have to talk about the war on terror eventually and Metallica were used by the guards in Iraq the songs of Metallica were used by the US to psychologically break Iraqi captives held in Baghdad during the Iraq war apparently among the songs that they would use were Metallica songs songs by Slayer as well as songs from Sesame Street and Barney. Quite the playlist. In 2017, James Hetfield from Metallica said, the CIA using his songs to break terrorism suspects. Ha, we've tortured people with it for a long time, a lot longer than the CIA. Yeah, always a good look to laugh about the torture of innocence, I think. He continued, I've got nothing to say about that, really. I'm honoured my country is using something to help us stay safe, if they are. But then again, once the music is out, I don't have control over that. Just like how someone's giving it away online. They're using it to do what they do. Yes, that's right. Link this to your war against Napster. That's definitely not incredibly tasteless. Lars Ulrich may have been one of the enemies of 2003, but in 2009, he was a bit more level-headed about the CIA using their music. He says, all seems so bizarre and so strange that Metallica's music, which generally sort of facilitates bringing people together, is used in these bizarre circumstances. It's certainly not something that we in any way advocate or condone so yeah he's definitely not happy if you use metallica's music to interrogate prisoners especially if you've illegally downloaded it if you bought metallica's music legally and used it to interrogate prisoners mm, morally neutral to Lars Ulrich, but don't you dare go on LimeWire, download it, and then use it to torture an Iraqi prisoner because he'll be furious. So you've been warned there. And quite quite disturbingly, we go from breaking Iraqi prisoners to broken silence, which is this week's number 15. Down from nine, here is the So Solid Crew. Oh, 
To be fair, enough of them were in prison at this point that they probably didn't have enough people to promote the song, so it means that it's quickly falling out of the chart. Ahead of it, at number 14 this week is the UD Project with Summer Jam, a new entry. And I must warn you, before I play this song, it has some of the most obnoxious use of a whistle that you will ever hear in a song. whistle you will go on my 28th whistle you will want to throw this song out of the window Look, i can't do the scottish accent and that's actually giving me a sore throat so was all that worth it no but the point is there's just summer jam by the ud project that's right summer jam babe it's october don't know what to say to you about that <laughs> especially because it wasn't like you didn't have time to release this song because this song was originally released in 2000 when it was a hit in europe although it didn't chart in the uk but this is a new version of the song released in 2003 which apparently samples the sun club 1996 hit Fiesta de los Tamborilero he pronounced expertly that apparently means drummer party so it's officially sampling that although I would say it's taking a large chunk from Rewind by Artful Dodger though not I must state for legal reasons a legally actionable chunk of Rewind by Artful Dodger but UD Project are what else a German Eurodance act and these ones are actually German they're not just using a middle European name they previously in spring 2002 had a number nine hit with the song Saturday Night which is basically the same song as Summer Jam. just as I've started playing Summer Jam I've seen that this weekend is going to be 26 degrees and I hate that so much that I can't even talk about the idea of a Summer Jam anymore and so I must move on and take you to our top 10. So let's break down here is what is that 13 to 11. At 13 a former number one Are You Ready For Love by Elton John that's down from 11. Another former number one for Blue Control featuring Sean Paul with Breathe. We need to let it breathe. So what's that supposed to be about daily? Get free of the vibe and stop acting crazy. Feminist for all the good times daily. Why you trying to pose like I be acting shady? You're only lonely when you're... And at 11, Hey Whatever by Westlife. That's down from four. Our top 10 still to come songs from Dido, Rachel Stevens, Nickelback, Jamelia, and Big Brothers, and of course, those new entries from Delta Goodrum, Elvis, Evanescence, and The Darkness. Which of those 10 artists that I just mentioned are going to be at number 10? Well, here they are your favorite band. That's down from six in its second week on the chart. Could end up saying things we've always needed to say So we could end up staying 
Here's a quote from Chad Kroger to give you a taste of Nickelback. I put my own dick in my mouth. I was 14 and much more flexible at the time. It was soft and required a lot of pulling. I really wanted that case of beer. There we go, wise words. And now at number nine, the first of our new entries in the top 10. This is Innocent Eyes by Delta Goodrum. And the only thing that you wanted to do was show your mom that you could play the piano. Ten years have passed. And the one thing that will last is that same old song that we played alone and made my mama cry. Delta Goodrum has said that this is one of her favourite tracks on this album and that the lyrics are autobiographical and this is a song dedicated to her family. And quite frankly, that fact breaks reality for me because as we know from the last time we talked about Delta Goodrum, the way she was marketed in Australia was that she was played a character on Neighbours called Nina Tucker, who was an aspiring singer. And in the show, she would perform Delta Goodrum songs as the character of Nina Tucker, and then they would be released. And then they would do very well in the Australian charts because of Neighbours is this huge show and they were getting all this great publicity, which is all fine and good until she says that Innocent Eyes is an autobiographical song. And then she as a fictional character performs that song as a character in Neighbours. When you were seven And the only thing that you wanted to do Was show your mum that you could play the piano so does that mean that in the reality of Neighbours, this is Nina Tucker writing a song about the life of a fictional woman called Delta Goodrum, who she doesn't know and doesn't exist? Or is this autobiographical for Nina Tucker, who is actually a separate person from Delta Goodrum? None of this is clear and is truly the height of postmodernism. Derrida who? Derrida, more like Delta, okay? That was a postmodernism joke. Do you want to hear the most 2003 sentence that was ever uttered? Here it is from the Innocent Eyes Wikipedia. The second CD of Innocent Eyes featured remixes of Lost Without You, a free Delta Goodrum phone logo and a choice of ringtones between Born to Try, Lost Without You and Innocent Eyes. Here, by the way, is what Innocent Eyes sounds like as a ringtone. Lovely stuff. By the way, the fact that she played a character on Neighbours wasn't the most Australian thing about Delta Goodrum. There's also the fact that in the video, it alternates between footage of modern Delta Goodrum in a hotel room with like fake succession style video camera footage of, a, of an actress playing young Delta Goodrum. And that young Delta Goodrum went on to play a young Olivia Newton-John in an Olivia Newton-John biopic because Australia. So I've had a little bit of fun with Innocent Eyes, but it's actually kind of marks a tragic moment in Delta Goodrum's career we mentioned with her last single lost without you that this whole time when she was having at the peak of her success in australia she discovered that she had hodgkin's lymphoma and it was actually on the day when innocent eyes went to number one in the australian charts that she got her diagnosis that was after the song being behind bring me to life by evanescence for three weeks it finally broke through and then she learned that she had a pretty nasty form of cancer so we have to we have to support delta goodrum even if we are going to pry too much into her relationship with brian mcfadden when that kicks off next year and it's funny that she was behind evanescence for three weeks with bring me to life by evanescence in australia because on the uk charts now she is behind Evanescence again with then follow-up to Bring Me To Life. This is At Eight, a new entry going under. Going no 
personal favourite of the Evanescence tracks, not that that's a particularly long list. This was the last track written for Fallen, the narrative that you see a lot in music, that they'll make an album and they'll be like, oh, I'm not sure we've got a single, let's write one final song to release as the single. So that was originally going to be Going Under, but then they decided to go for Bring Me to Life instead, I think because it kind of is a bit, has the piano, which is kind of lead you in gently, as opposed to this song, which is a little harder and more intense. And it was ultimately as a good choice for them because Bring Me to Life was number one in at least nine countries, whereas Going Under, unfortunately, was number one in zero countries, despite, in my opinion, being the better song talking of openings by the way the opening of going under the lyrics go now i will tell you what i've done for you Fifty thousand tears i've cried now most podcasts who just see a line like that and be like yes she cried a lot of tears well i have i have gone to the next step for you and i have worked out exactly how much liquid amy lee from evanescence has cried if she had cried fifty thousand tears so you'll be pleased to know the average tear is around six microliters so fifty thousand of them would meant that she had cried approximately 325 milliliters of tears so if you want if you can picture that as a coke can full of tears that is how many tears amy lee cries in the song going under by evanescence if we ever do a pub quiz that's sure to be a question amy lee said of the this song and this line most of it is inspired by a relationship i never want to see his name or see him again it was verbal and physical abuse but like a lot of women in that situation i spent my time protecting him and persuading people that everything was okay that was from an interview with blender by the way in which she also opens up at about her lead guitarist of the band ben moody leaving evanescence which happened in october 2003 i think we talked about it briefly when bring me to life was number one definitely no love lost between the two of them she says in this interview do you know what i did this morning I was writing a cheque as part of Ben's settlement for quitting the band. He's gone for good. We can all breathe again. Ben leaving was a very good moment. We got to the point where the band was really unhealthy. I can't explain because I don't yet totally understand it myself, but Ben and I pretended that we were friends when really we were business partners. We didn't talk. We never stayed in the same bus. We weren't friends. We were friends when we met and I was 13 years old, but you don't expect that to survive until you're 22. And Ben Moody declined to comment to the Blender writer. So she's certainly opening up about the tense relationship there, but that pales in comparison to... The beginning of this interview, which is one of the strongest openings to a piece of journalism I've ever, ever read, in fact. So let me share it with you. Because Amy Lee won't heed municipal warning signage, it seems we are going to be pecked to death. Brilliant. Who needs all all happy families are alike, all unhappy families are unhappy in their own way from Anna Karenina when you have, because Amy Lee won't heed municipal warning signage, it seems we are going to be pecked to death. Jess Blender and the petite raven-haired Evanescence lead singer are sitting in the lovely City Botanic Gardens in Brisbane, Australia. It's summer in the Queensland capital and it's also the day of Evanescence's debut Australian show we have strolled to the Gons Cafe to talk. Blender had spotted it earlier in the day and felt that its collection of macabre banyan trees, plus the eerie squawking and cackling in the undergrowth, would provide an appropriately gothic setting for our new meeting. He's clearly very cocky about the power of his dictaphone, because I would never go in such a loud space with bird squawking if I was going to do an interview in public, especially outside. He continues, Signs, however, clearly forbid the feeding of birds, but holding out a hand with a piece of food in it isn't strictly feeding, is it? Lee reasons, waving her muffin. Within seconds, our interview was an avian battle zone as parrots, pigeons and specimens of the mighty ibis swarm for a bite of her blueberry-favoured lunchtime snack. It's clear these animals have read the script of Hitchcock's The Birds and waste no time recreating the arc arc and associated flapping and pecking of the classic film. Blender is not ashamed to say that we find this situation quite scary, but not Lee. She is watery-eyed with pleasure. See that? They fed off my hands. Having animals feed off me moves me to tears, if that's not being a little dark. 
Like that she kind of went full Dracula at the end there. So Evanescence at number eight, saving not being pecked to death and hitting number eight in the charts. None of this, however, was to get her past the number seven and number six songs in the chart, both doing pretty well for themselves. At number seven, we have Baby Boy by Big Brothers, which is in its fourth week and staying solid at number seven from last week. And at number six, we have a song moving up two places. And let's just say this isn't the last time it's going to move up the chart. Jamelia with Superstar. Perfect segue. Talking about a superstar, who else but Elvis Presley? Not quite getting his 19th number one, but his, and get ready for this number, 58th top 10 hit. Here he is with Paul Oakenfold's remix of Rubbernecking. I love the UK Top 40 as much as anyone. It's the most successful experiment in democracy that the world has ever known, in my opinion. But it certainly does bring out a certain amount of cynicism in record labels. The same record labels, by the way, that force you to buy two Leanne Pinnock CDs, therefore doubling their physical sales and getting Leanne a Top 10 that she probably didn't deserve. But let's not litigate that. Let's talk about the fact that the Elvis Presley estate here is clearly trying to replicate the success of the 2002 number one that was the JXL remix of A Little Less Conversation, which in 2002 was a number one in over 20 countries. So that song was used in first used in the Ocean's Eleven soundtrack in 2001 and then used in Nike's 2002 World Cup campaign, which is when it catapulted into a number one spot around the world. This was a time, by the way, when songs from adverts regularly made it to the into the top ten. In fact, a little less conversation was the fourteenth number one from a song used in an advert. Other big advert-based number ones include Spaceman by Babylon Zoo, Fly Away by Lenny Kravitz, and Should I Stay or Should I Go by The Clash. But a little less conversation, a important number one, apart from it being the fourteenth used in an advert because it was the song that allowed Elvis to retake the crown of the most UK number ones from any act. He had been tied at 17 with the Beatles, but a little less conversation got him to 18, and he is now at 21 number ones, and you can find out exactly how he got three more number ones, including an absolutely huge chart milestone in the coming months and years. So the 
A Little Less Conversation was remixed by JXL, and this time it was remixed by Paul Oakenfold, probably the biggest remixer in Britain at the time, who has done remixes from everyone, from including Madonna, Britney Spears, Adele, Bruno Mars, Jackson 5, Paul Simon, Justin Timberlake, Take That, Jennifer Lopez, and Daft Punk. Apparently, the Elvis estate approached him to do the remix, and he agreed, but not before basically negging the song Rubbernecking in every interview he did. Previously, the song had been a B-side in ni- to the 1969 Elvis single Don't Cry Daddy, which got to number eight in the UK, and was from the soundtrack of his last film as an actor, Change of Habit. So, Paul Oakenfold said of the song to the Sun Sentinel, there are classics, and I personally would never touch a classic, but with all due respect to Elvis Presley, I don't think Rubbernecking was a classic. So there we go. Elvis probably rolling in his grave there. By the way, if you want to know all of Elvis's 18 number ones to this point, here they are. Skip ahead about 30 seconds if you do not give a shit. But we have All Shook Up 1957, Jailhouse Rock 1958, One Night and I Got Stung Double A Side 1959, A Fool Such As I Double A side with I Need Your Love Tonight, 1959. It's Now or Never, 1960. Are You Lonesome Tonight, number 60. Wooden Heart, 61. Surrender, 61. Marie's The Name, His Latest Flame, slash Little Sister, 61. Can't Help Falling In Love, slash Rock A Hula Baby, 62. Good Luck Charm, 62. She's Not You, 62. Return to Sender, 62. You're The Devil In Disguise, 63. Crying In The Chapel, 65. The Wonder Of You, 1970. Way Down, 1977. And A Little Less Conversation in 2002. And now the Beatles 17 number ones. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, for me to you, she loves you. I want to hold your hand. Can't buy me love. Four days. Hard days night. I feel fine. Ticket to ride. Help. Day trip. We can work it out. Paperback writer. Yellow seven million. Or rig me. All you need is love. Hello, goodbye. Lady Madonna. Hey, dude. Get back in the ballad of John and Yoko. Now that we don't have anyone left listening to the podcast, here at number four, down from three in its fourth week on the chart is White Flag by Dido. Been listening to this song a lot. Kind of got into Dido a little bit. I think a sign of ageing, that one. And what I've really noticed that I've never noticed before about Dido is it has, it's a little bit greedy, this song, because it's like, one introduction isn't enough for it. It has to have two different introductions. Here's what I mean. Yep. Very nothing compares to you, actually, which we've talked about a lot here. Yep. Kind of gentle introduction. Okay. Actually, th- there you go. There's, an, there's the second introduction. And then a third introduction. Wow. Greedy, greedy Dido there. She gonna put another one in? Oh no, okay, we're fine, there we go. Yeah, so actually three introductions in White Flag there. No wonder she had to surrender. She was so tired from all those introductions. flag by Dido. We're white, waving the white flag to Dido and going to number three. Is it Black Eyed Peas, The Darkness or Rachel Stevens? Well, I can tell you number three is this.
yes, Rachel Stevens saying sweet dreams to the number two spot and going to number three, which means that we have a battle on our hands. The reigning champions, Where Is The Love by Black Eyed Peas and I Believe In A Thing Called Love by The Darkness. Which one is at number one? Well, let Where's count down from number 20 to number two. I'm Wes and this is the official The 2000s Chart Show. Top 20, 20's brand new Jürgen Fries featuring Sheena and Wilderness. 19's Christina Aguilera featuring Lil' Kim, Can't Hold Us Down. Ultra Beats at 18, Pretty Green Eyes. 17's Louise, Pandora's Kiss. 16's brand new Metallica, Frantic. 15, The So Solid Crew, Broken Silence. 14's brand new UD Project, Summer Jam. 13's Elton John, Are You Ready For Love? 12 is Blue Cantrell featuring Sean Paul, Breathe, Westlife are at 11, Hey Whatever, at 10, it's Nickelback, Someday, New at 9, Delta Goodrum, Innocent Eyes, New at 8, Evanescence, Going Under, 7's The Big Brothers, Baby Boy, 6 is Jamelia, Superstar, Brand New at 5, Elvis Presley, Rubberneckin, 4 is Dido, White Flag, Sweet Dreams, My Elliot, Rachel Stevens at number 3, and at number 2, The Darkness, I Believe in a Thing Called Love. Yes, another big new entry going in at number two. Last week was Rachel Stevens. Now it is The Darkness unable to topple the darkness that is the Black Eyed Peas from the top spot. Yes, I Believe in a Thing Called Love, a classic of 2003 and the subject of one of the finest Guardian How I Made columns. If you haven't read the How I Made column, by the way, I really recommend it. Every week they interview two people who were involved in the making of a classic bit of culture. It might be Back to the Future or Big Brother or The Apprentice was a good one. But the, the ones about music are always particularly good. I think a few weeks ago we talked about the amazing one for Cheeky Song Touch My Bum by the Cheeky Girls, but the Darkness one is just as good. Here is what Dan Hawkins, the guitarist of The Darkness, said of I Believe a Thing Called Love. And this is the first line of the piece. I can't remember who said it, but we were having a conversation along the lines of why don't we just write the stupidest song ever? I expect us all to feel embarrassed playing it, but everyone was singing along to the chorus the second time it came around. We looked at each other and thought, this is it, it's staying. It was like, oh fuck, it's staying. And then... Justin Hawkins, the flamboyant, shall we say, lead singer of The Darkness, said, The ridiculous things that The Darkness do are tempered by Dan's actual good taste. For me to be turned on, it's got to have something in it that makes him go, you can't do that. So it's this exact balance between sincere and tacky that made The Darkness so good when they were good. On the tackier end of things, this piece also revealed that they recorded the vocals for I Believe A Thing Called Love on 9-11. I think I may have uh, taken a break from recording I Believe In A Thing Called Love on that day, but studio time's expensive so you know i can't can't judge i guess and it was enough to get them to number two as was i think uh, there was so much both kind of serious and silly press around the darkness people really wanted this band to do well and i think it's because they were fun and silly in a time where a lot of serious rock music in britain was exactly that very serious very bland very middle of the road here's a band that comes along saying we make catchy tunes we're dressed in lycra we've got crazy 
hair, metal hair. It's okay to have fun again. But obviously no one knew exactly how seriously to take it. So you would get, in one hand, they'd get kind of mocking coverage from a broadsheet, but then on the other, they would get nominated for the 2003 Mercury Prize, losing out to Dizzy Rascal. But they really were kind of a gift to press. It's like, you're not going to get anything interesting out of interviewing Turin Breaks, but you might, you'll get a great, well, if you interview the darkness, you'll get a great factoid. Here's just a few that I've picked up from a few, reading a few interviews with them. They celebrated their getting to number one with their album Permission to Land by unveiling their own customised racing car. They refused to go on stage at CDUK until they'd been supplied with Brandy and the band apparently started life as a Marillion tribute band. And if you don't know who Marillion are, don't bother searching them because they are dull goth rock from the 90s that will not enrich your life in any way. And it, this, But it wasn't only Britain who were kind of in love with the darkness, however briefly. they, As of February 2012, they have sold 647,000 copies of I Believe in a Thing Called Love in the United States, which made it the second highest charting song from a UK band in 2012. What song is it behind you ask? Unfortunately it is Last Train Home by the Lost Prophets of which that song is coming out very soon on this chart and I cannot wait to not play it for you. Again why you're not googling Marillion please do not google why I'm not playing the Lost Prophets because it is truly dark. I believe as going back very swiftly to I Believe in a Thing Called Love it is the second of the Darkness's seven UK top 40s. Their previous debut single Growing On Me got to number 11 earlier in this year we talked about it and it gave them the third 33rd biggest selling song of 2003 between Fly in the Wings of Love and Year 2000. So this is at number two and it remains to be seen whether they can ever reach the heights of number two again. Their next single that they're going to release is their Christmas song, Christmas Time, Don't Let the Bells End, kicking off maybe the best Christmas themed chart battle of all time in 2003. So I'm very excited to talk about that with you in a few months. But for now, we've come to the end of another episode. Black Eyed Peas have sold 70,000 more copies of Where Is The Love, the song that will end up as the biggest selling single of 2003. So not a surprise that The Darkness was not able to beat it. So it's had a month on the top. Will any of next week's acts be able to beat it? I'm looking ahead and we're looking at releases from Amy Stutt, Travis and oh yes my favourite Turin Breaks so I'm guessing no but you can tune in next week to find out whether the Black Eyed Peas can make it five weeks at the top which would give them the longest chart run of the year so far so very exciting you can tune in next week for that however in the meantime please recommend us to any pop maniacs out there please give us positive reviews on all the social media apps it only helps more people find the podcast and shares the mania ever wider which is always great follow us on twitter at 2000 chart show at instagram at the 2000 chart show but for now at number one here's where is the love by the black eyed peas have a great week let your soul gravitate to the love y'all y'all Practice what you preach and what you turn the other cheek. Father, 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 help us send some guidance from above. These people got me, got me questioning. Where is the